0: Please make sure that your seatbelt securely fastened. At this time, I ask that all portable electronic devices be turned off. Thank you.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Vagabond Exchange podcast number 10. 10. What's 10 in Spanish?
0: Um, Diez.
1: Diez. Numero diez for our Spanish listeners. That's right. I'm Emily, otherwise known as Amelia. I am... ...across from...
0: ...William, otherwise known as Guillermo.
1: Guillermo. 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 And we're, uh, once again, coming to you from a dining room somewhere in Nashville, Tennessee.
0: Right. On uh, Labor Day. This yes. is Labor Day weekend. Labor Day. Yes. Um,
1: After a brief hiatus.
0: Uh, yes, but we have a good excuse for not recording. Do we? In the last two weeks.
1: What's our excuse?
0: We were on vacation. Oh, that's right. Um, now, we, we just made out a list of what we want to discuss mm-hmm. this week. But we forgot something. What did we forget? Put on the s- Seattle Joe.
1: Oh, Seattle Joe. How could we forget Seattle Joe?
0: I don't know. What was that?
1: I don't know. Someone's breaking into your
0: home. I think my neighbor's upset that we were recording and he slammed his door.
1: Well, he'll get over it. Yeah. Because he tends to...
0: Play. Masturbate frequently. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> on that note, Seattle Joe, um, we love you, Seattle Joe. Why, where have you been all of our lives? Right.
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: At least, well, at least my life. I don't know if William shares the same uh, affection well, for you that I do, but uh, uh,
0: um, Seattle well, Joe
1: is my new BFF.
0: I know, right? Right. You, you uh, well, we should say that we, the last time we kind of bemoaned the fact that uh, Seattle Joe hadn't written us back yet, mm-hmm. so we were kind of wondering if he'd written us off. But right after we recorded that podcast, we got an email from him.
1: Right. And it should be stated, for those who may be listening to this podcast for the first time, Seattle Joe is our first official um, listener that we know of as he emailed us to tell us about it. Well, not really our first First official. He was the first one to, yeah, the first person that we didn't know that emailed us to tell us about the podcast. And he's great.
0: He is great. I just want to um, interrupt real quick and say I I apologize for the masturbation statement about my neighbor. (laughs) I don't know where that came from, and I, I wonder if one it's day... It's too late.
1: You can't take it back. He's listening. All right. He's probably a podcast regular. So, hi, William's neighbor.
0: Yes. Sorry.
1: And, like, he doesn't know he masturbates, really. Well,
0: he's married, so I would hope that...
1: Really? Married guys don't masturbate?
0: You know, actually, some of them masturbate a lot more than single so men. So I've heard. Yes. Um,
1: Nonetheless, anyway. Seattle Joe sent us a very, very detailed email about some questions that we would posed regarding the Seattle freeze, along with some excellent suggestions for an upcoming trip that we're planning to Seattle. And so, Joe, thank you so much. You spent what looks like an inordinate amount of time on those emails, and the information is inordinately appreciated. Yes, it's
0: <laughs> very valuable information, yes. and we'll be uh, printing out your email yes. and taking it with us when we go to Seattle in a couple of months.
1: Right. Um, and prob- going- probably visiting some of the places he suggested we visit.
0: Yes. Now we find it a bit discouraging that you're saying that you want to move to the East Coast.
1: Not really. Boston. Well, he was great. going to be
0: like our only friend out in Seattle. Well,
1: I bet Joe would introduce us to his friends. Do you think? I bet Joe has cool friends.
0: Has there been a little part of you that wonders if Joe is on the up and up?
1: <laughs> no, I think Joe's. I think Joe is a hundred percent legit. I'm, I'm not dissing Joe. I'm not dissing I can't him, believe you would even insinuate I, that. I have
0: a, the kind of imagination that tells me oh, perhaps we know. we know Joe is deranged, a Travis Bickle-like character. And <laughs> he's waiting for us to come to Seattle. And when he meets us, we'll be his first two Okay.
1: Victims. First of all, who's saying that Joe wants to meet us? No, Email I'm is saying, one thing. Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Okay, A1. My
0: imagination says Joe emails us and he <laughs> gradually reels us in. Until we agreed to meet him in a couple of months. And then we disappear.
1: <laughs> Joe, I am terribly sorry. <laughs> I hope that you will not hold this against me. I had nothing to do with this. This is a tirade.
0: I'm just saying, Joe, I'm putting it out there. If we don't come back in one piece.
1: What, the five other people that listen to this are going to come find Joe? Yes. <sighs> anyway, Joe, thank you.
0: Well, we have I have good friends that listen to this show now as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, at least we know.
1: Yeah, I'm sure if they go to Seattle and they look up Joe, they'll be able to locate him quickly, <laughs> look too. Look up
0: Seattle Joe. He's the yep. only one in the phone book.
1: Yep. Just call 411. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, right. Joe. But seriously, thank you for your help. So, do you <laughs> want to talk about what Joe told us about the Seattle freeze?
0: Uh, Yeah. You probably can, you could probably remember it a lot better than me.
1: Well, actually, it was kind of reaffirming for me, of course. Because Joe said, "What first of all, oh, what, what Joe said was that um, he had never really heard of the Seattle freeze, um, except for, for some time ago he was taking public transportation somewhere in Seattle. Which, by the way, the bus system in Seattle, if you go within a certain zone of the downtown area, free people. F-R-E-E, free. It doesn't really get much better than that. And it was pretty clean and pretty safe. I felt comfortable on it. And we yes. took it from one side of town to the other.
0: We did, yeah.
1: Um, but apparently Joe overheard a conversation by two Southern women discussing the fact that Seattleites are rude and that they didn't understand why when they held the door open for people, they didn't even walk through it. And I don't remember what the other examples were, but.
0: Now you say it reaffirms. Once again
1: reaffirms my, well, because you had told me, um, that you had a friend who lives in Seattle. Right. Or a former friend that lives in Seattle. I don't really know. Classmate. Yeah. Yes, old classmate. And that she, who you said is very Southern,
0: yes,
1: also said the same thing about people in Seattle. That they were rude, that she never really felt like she fit in, etc. So you
0: think it's a Southern reaction? Well, I
1: think Southerners in general, like if they visit places outside the South, think people are rude.
0: Okay. Well, Because, so- I mean, really
1: people are, they're not rude, they're just different. It's they, like when I come down here. When I came here from Michigan, I felt like I needed a passport because it's it's just different. It's not that it's good or bad. It's not like people here are. I think are nicer. It's just different.
0: Well, there's a certain southern hospitality, though. I if think I, southern
1: people would like to say that there's a certain no. Southern there hospitality. is. If it's
0: true that I, I go to Seattle and I open a door for someone and they do not say thank you, then I have an issue with that.
1: Uh, well then, I I would challenge you to open the door for someone in Seattle.
0: Okay, although you know, I, I was thinking about it, and we're from this. I'm from the South, mm-hmm. and I recall us walking down sidewalks or whatever, and kind of encountering individuals, and I don't recall there being any kind of rudeness. Mm-mm. Um, there was politeness. Hello. Yeah. Or whatever. So. Yeah. Well,
1: I almost feel like Midwesterners are a little more standoffish than what we get on the West Coast. Because I remember the first time—well, the first stretch of time that I spent at home after I'd been here a while—and I was in the grocery, and I noticed that nobody would make eye, people don't make eye contact with you.
0: In the Midwest,
1: yeah, at least well, at least a small part of the Midwest where I grew up. But I think kind of by and by and large, that's the case.
0: Well, it's like that in the Northeast as well. In right. fact, if you make eye contact with certain individuals, it's almost like. Making contact with a pit bull. Yeah,
1: exactly. They think you're
0: challenging them.
1: Right. So, so I think it's I, it's truly a cultural thing, and I make light of it and roll my eyes because I've you know I spent almost my whole life up until about seven years ago in the Midwest, and now to to come here was very shocking for me, especially kind of seeing the way, especially Southern women, I guess, would be the biggest difference in the way that they are uh, expect to be treated actually this is the thing that shocked me the most when i first moved here and i have to tell this little story okay so my mom and i had come down um so she had come like help help me move in and the rest of like my family came down later and sort of sent me off and we had gone out to eat at a restaurant um it's fairly nice and we got there we were there pretty early probably about five thirty. and there were all of these women sitting there by themselves at tables. And I was like, this is really weird. You don't usually see women out on, and it was a weeknight. It wasn't like, you know, Saturday or anything, but probably about six o'clock, all of these men came in and joined them at their table. Like, you know, not all at once, but like, and they were all dressed in like business attire. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that my mom and I could gather was that these women went to the restaurant ahead of time and held the tables for their husbands when they got out of work. And that just doesn't... You don't see that in the Midwest. I've, like,
0: it's, I've never noticed that before.
1: Well, I, n- and now that I think about it, I don't really notice it that much either. But at the time, I was very taken aback by it. And then the whole, like, holding doors thing, I, like, it is, it's very different here. It's very different because people... I mean, you might have somebody, like, nudge the door open for you on their way in. But, like, I'll, I'll have people stand and hold the door for me when I'm, like, 20 feet back. Are these men... Men and women. Okay. Everybody does it.
0: I, I guess part of it is my upbringing. I mean, my father always opened the door for my mom mm-hmm. and for other people.
1: Right. And my dad, my dad did, too. Absolutely. Um, he still does.
0: I mean, if I did it, if I were in Seattle, and when we go, we'll test this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I hold the door open for someone... And they don't make some acknowledgement that I've held the door open for them. Right. I'll, I'll probably have a bit of a problem with it.
1: What would you, What will you do?
0: I'll trip them as they walk through the door.
1: Will you fight them? Yes. Really? Hmm. Oh, I'm gonna I'll
0: set somebody up. Seattle Joe on them with his various implements of. <clears throat> <laughs>
1: <laughs> would you leave Seattle <laughs> Joe alone? Seattle Joe has been nothing but kind to you. I cannot believe this. All right. I'm sorry, right. Joe. Sorry, Joe. You're right. Sorry, Joe. Anyway, let's move on because that topic annoys me. Which topic? Talking about the difference between Southern southern... people and the rest of the world. Uh,
0: (laughs) If you are from the South and you listen, and in fact, I know that there are a few people from the South that Uh listen to this show, we would love to hear your opinion about the way people are from the South compared to the rest of the the country. Mm -hmm. We'll limit it to the country. Right. And you can email us where?
1: Vagabondexchange at gmail.com.
0: Right. So we would love to hear from you. Or if you're from the rest of the country and you have an opinion about the South. If
1: you've, like, if you've spent any amount of time in in different sections of the U.S., right. we'd love to hear from you. Yep. Or really, any, we'd love to hear from anybody, really. I'm yes. not discriminating at this point.
0: If you've, uh, you know, you have an ingrown toenail, <laughs> just email us, please.
1: You could... You're having a hard time. I think the people in Seattle are a little cold. People here tend to be very
0: polite. It's very, you know, surface politeness. It just lasts a couple seconds.
1: So we saw uh, a couple movies, um, first of which was The Cove, which... um, follows uh, Rick O'Berry, who was the creator of the television show Flipper. Was that like in the 60s? Did
0: he create the show, or was he... I
1: thought he created it, but maybe that I read that somewhere and it wasn't true.
0: Okay.
1: But he was at least an integral part of it. Okay. And had... Um, right. He was one of the trainers and worked very closely with the dolphins that were on that show. Right. Um, and apparently once the show ended, he sort of saw how cruel... Um, or not how cruel, I guess, but just how sort of enslaving that life was to use dolphins as sort of um, pets and for tricks and entertainment. Right. And so he decided to um, make it his life's goal to free as many captive dolphins as possible. So basically, um, he I don't know how he discovered this place. They didn't really talk about that. But there is this area in Japan... Um, and I don't remember the sit- name of the city. I think it was
0: Taipei, but I could be wrong. In- mm. uh, I don't
1: think it was Taipei. You don't think it
0: was Taipei? No, I think you need Keep to, to check, check your that facts. <laughs> but,
1: um, basically, there was a there's a cove essentially, um in, in the Pacific Ocean, um, and all of these fishermen, as they are very liberally labeled Taiji, taiji
0: Wakayama taiji in Japan. Wakayama.
1: Yes. Okay. That's okay. I'm glad that we cleared that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, these fishermen lure these uh, dolphins back into this cove. And what you later find out is that they kill them there. Which I don't think I'm giving away any secrets. But what Rick O'Berry sets out to do is sort of film this and document it um, to prevent all sorts of additional cruel things and sort of misleading of the public to happen. And so it, it not only follows that story, but it also talks about sort of why these dolphins are poached, why they're captured. In some cases, they're sent you know, to sea worlds and all these different places where they're uh, sort of put on display and and uh, interact with humans. And then in some cases, they're killed for um, their meat, which apparently isn't that good and has lots of mercury in it. Right. Um,
0: Dolphin meat is not a delicacy. No. Right.
1: But it's they. what we found out is that... It's sometimes um, sold sold under the pretense that it's whale meat, which is apparently a good good meat. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, basically this group of people under O'Berry's directive go to this little town, and they've got a couple people that are underwater divers. Those are my two favorite people in the movie. It was a couple that um, I don't even know what they're called because they weren't really – they were divers, but they – they weren't like scuba divers. Like, they didn't use oxygen.
0: Right. They, they. I, I guess the woman, the, I guess the wife, I'm not sure about the husband, but mm-hmm. she had actually broken records right. for diving.
1: Holding her breath underwater. Right. Yeah. For like
0: three minutes and something or something.
1: I yeah. And, and the, the, the depth of the water, too, I think was a record, too. Right. But they wore these really cool, first of all, these real, really cool wetsuits, but they also had like this unifin that right. they put on their feet and it made them look very aquatic. Fish, yes. Yeah, <laughs> under the water. Right. And they were they were uh, it was just, that part of it was really cool. And then he also had just some kind of, you know, rogue daredevils that did all kinds of things like climb tall buildings and sort of like uh
0: Plus they were technically savvy as yes, well. Yes. Yes, um,
1: and he had a lot of connections within Hollywood and within kind of this like uh, Renegade, <laughs> renegade group of people that helped him out and got him the technology he needed to record all of these events and also get into the water and help plant some cameras and devices and things to sort of document Catch all these them. things. Right. And they also followed this uh, committee. Um, that was a kind of interesting as well. This committee of all representatives from across the world that talk about um, sort of safe fishing rules and keeping waters friendly to dolphins. So that was all part of the story as well. Right. Because Japan was trying to garner support from other countries to continue this practice. Right.
0: They were kind of recruiting these other Caribbean poor. Incentivizing them to, yeah. Giving them funding um, so that they would, I guess, kind of...
1: Turn the other cheek, it sounded like. Right. Basically, they wouldn't protest against Japan's practices. Right.
0: And so... I guess ultimately I mean there's a, a lot of uh revelations during the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um especially and it kinda made me it made me think back to the Michael Vick thing. Right. Because Rick O'Berry is that his name, Rick O'Berry? Yeah. You kinda think he's doing this whole flipper thing and he's got I guess five dolphins and it never occurs to him that he shouldn't be do- that doing it was wrong. this. Yeah. And then years later he's he kinda has this revelation that this is wrong right but all of this we have little details during this whole documentary of you know how dolphins are treated and mm-hmm. um and then you kind of you see what the what happens at the cove right Um and we won't give that away but it's something you won't forget right it had a very profound effect on me i mean i was me too deeply touched by the whole thing and i've i can honestly say that i I liked animals all my life, but I can't say that I was an animal lover Mm -hmm. until I got my cat. Right. So when I see things like this, especially when they they display how intelligent these dolphins are. Right, right. They're very smart. What are they? they, They're They're mammals. Mammals. Mm -hmm.
1: Um,
0: So, and probably in way certain ways smarter than human beings.
1: Right. More intuitive, it seemed.
0: Right. And so when you see that people have the power to treat these mammals this way, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, hard, to, hard to take, hard to watch. Yeah. And then also the effect that, you know, these people are selling this dolphin meat as if it's good. Right. And you have school children eating this meat that's high in mercury.
1: Yeah. Somet- and, it was uh, like 400 times that.
0: I think it was 2,000 times. Well, oh, was it? I think so.
1: Yeah, you're. well, I don't really know math, right. so <laughs> you're probably right.
0: But yes, it's a, I would definitely recommend the documentary. Uh, mm-hmm. It's disturbing, but I think it's something they should, I think they should show it in schools. Yeah. It's very educational.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it also, don't watch it um, if you have a weak stomach, though. It's a little, uh, it's a little. It's a little
0: brutal. Yeah. Yes, very graphic. Yep. Um,
1: and don't watch it if you work at SeaWorld, because you'll quit and well, you won't be employed quit. anymore.
0: <sighs> anyway, so we have this thing where every week when we watch a movie, we go into IMDb and we rate the movie and see how close we are to other people That's right. who have rated it.
1: It's a little contest we have.
0: Right. So I would give The Cove an 8.3.
1: I would give it an 8.5. Really? I would. So the, the anticipation's killing me. Yeah,
0: eight point seven.
1: Hey, hey, hey looky there. Yeah, that was that was a really great documentary, and it truly was a documentary. I mean, obviously, all documentaries come from kind of a point of view, but I thought that they did a pretty good job of, in many like show. I mean, showing a side of this is bad, but also showing Rick O'Berry's sort of redemption and in th- in. Right. being an advocate of like dolphins he, for yeah. the use of humans essentially
0: he kind of illuminated the truth without excluding himself from that
1: exactly exactly Which and and i i really appreciate documentary filmmakers who don't just point out a problem that also present a solution and he was clearly presenting a solution
0: right and they also give you uh websites and i think phone numbers at the end of the documentary to kind of so that you can participate in
1: or yeah. and even just educate yourself, which right. I think is important. Yep.
0: So definitely recommend, and probably we'll be at this point. You know, we can start looking at certain documentaries and films and wondering if they're going to be nominated for Academy Awards. Right. And I think this you think will, it will be. Yeah. Absolutely. They call him Flipper. Flipper. Faster than.
1: We saw the Cove, and that was obviously a while ago due to our miniature hiatus, but uh, in between that, we hit Chicago for a few days. Yes, we did. Um, and had a fantastic time.
0: We had a, I had a
1: fantastic time. I had an
0: excellent time, yes.
1: Good. Yeah. And this was your first kind of formal trip to Chicago. You've had other trips, but they've been...
0: I've been one other you've time. You've been
1: relegated to business tasks. Pretty much. Right. Actually...
0: I uh, went for training for a couple of days,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the only uh, kind of diversion I had was to go to a movie theater and see um, Michael Clayton.
1: Oh. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. But
1: this was all very leisurely. Right. Um, and while we were there, we saw a dear friend of mine. Um, I don't even know what to call her, because she's really not Chicago Liz. She's just like, you know, Liz from the block, and I knew her.
0: we grew up together we we have to come up with
1: i don't really want to call her michigan liz because there's that title could be applied to any of my friends from michigan
0: where did you meet her
1: we could call her cello liz
0: cello liz
1: because liz plays the cello and she's fantastic at it friends anyway liz liz currently resides in chicago i've known liz 15 years Something ridiculous like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we met up with her and her significant other, Sean, who also needs a name. But I'll let you give him that. Uh,
0: The name I'll give Sean is Frank. Because (laughs) for some reason, I can't call him anything but Frank. And I'm trying to get over it.
1: This is so bizarre because Sean is like a young man whose name should not be Frank.
0: I don't know why I want to call him Frank. It's
1: okay. You can call him Frank. I'm sure he won't mind. Sean's a good guy.
0: I'm going to work on that, Sean, if you listen to this show. Oh,
1: he's going to listen. But we want also want to thank Sean and Frank and Liz for their um, hospitality and their suggestions mm-hmm. for places to go. It had been a little while since I'd been to Chicago, um, and it was nice to have locals tell us what where to go and what to see and things to do. Right. Um. um go ahead.
0: Now I was going to say, if we start out, we took we flew into Chicago That's and really we decided. Cool. That we would take a cab right. from the airport to the our hotel. Um, what was the name of our hotel?
1: The uh, Hotel Athena on Superior, right off of Michigan Avenue. I would recommend staying there if you. We'll talk about that in a minute, okay. though. Talk about the cab.
0: All right. So this guy, and he was a foreign guy because he had a bit of an accent, but I couldn't tell. Well, where isn't he that was kind from.
1: of? Don't you have to be foreign to be a cab driver? No. Really. No. I I can tell you I have the majority
0: of cab drivers are probably I, pr- I
1: don't think I have ever I cannot recall one cab driver except for the first time I we went to New York City he was from New York uh, I cannot recall a cab driver that w- was American born
0: okay well maybe it's I don't know
1: I'm joking I'm All being right. I'm being speaking ass. of that I
0: wanted to ask you if you remember uh, Black jo- Jerry Orbach from Seattle the cab oh, driver Jerry. we had it looked like just like Jerry Orbach except he was black. When we we were leaving Seattle going to the airport. I
1: don't don't remember. He
0: was a very dark man, but he had the eyebrows of Jerry Orbach and the same (laughs) hair. And I call him Black Jerry Orbach. Anyway, we had this cab driver. And as soon as we left the airport, we hit the interstate. I'm thinking, it's all good. We're going to get to the hotel in Mm -hmm. like 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And we hit a wall of traffic. And so he makes some statement.
1: Incoherent,
0: right? But obviously, it meant that I'm getting off the interstate and I'm going to get onto the regular,
1: like the back back streets, whatever. right? Yeah.
0: So as this guy is driving, whenever we hit a red light <laughs> or a stop sign, he either puts the the cab in neutral or park. <laughs> and I'm sure there's. We figure that maybe he's doing that to stop the uh, the meter because the, meter. the
1: cab fare was fairly reasonable for that for that ride, considering we did about half of it on city streets. Right. It should have been like fifty bucks for all the traffic we sat in.
0: Okay. Well, it was like forty something. Four, oh, was it? Yeah.
1: I thought it was only. Gosh, I didn't know. Yeah.
0: Ooh. So if you
1: take the train, if you go to Chicago, that's a probably, short, some moral of the story. It's like two fifty.
0: Right. Although I did well. Yeah, take the train, but it's a bit of a hassle. It depends on how much money you have, right? And usually, I just feel more comfortable taking. You'd a, rather a spring
1: for the cab fare, which I've just I've stopped fighting you on that, so that's fine. Okay,
0: but anyway, so <laughs> okay. if any of you guys know, okay, why the cab driver would have been putting the car in park and neutral every single time he hit, even when he just stopped in traffic, there right? Was, yeah. When he
1: anytime he brakes, right? But every the best part was every time he released whatever gear he had it in we would shoot off as though he was driving like the indy 500 yeah
0: he was whizzing in and out of traffic uh, i was
1: really glad that i couldn't see over the little like partition thing because you know i would have been a basket case
0: butt cheeks together yes yes
1: and doing the mom arm to you which i sometimes <laughs> do
0: but i will say he was focused on traffic yes. Because you think back to windsor ontario where we took a cab and The guy got us to the wrong place. The guy was on his Bluetooth half the time. Mm-hmm. There was a a big ass <laughs> spare tire in the trunk. Who puts a spare tire in the trunk of a cab?
1: Uh, apparently, that guy.
0: Right. So, you this, we've had
1: some interesting cab stories, haven't we? Right. Shuttle shuttle drivers and cab stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the guy the guy in uh, to, uh, we weren't in Toronto then this we Windsor. were in Windsor. Yeah, right. he he took the cake. Yeah, because he got he took and us he also to the smelled, wrong hotel. Uh, like he had put maybe like a cat and um, feet and like dirty hair and an armpit in a crock pot for right. set it on simmer for forty eight hours. Yes, that's what it smelled like on the inside of his cab. Oh, and cigarette butts, cigarette butts. <laughs> oh yes, that was pretty bad. So lovely combination. He a
0: little ball sweat <laughs> between behind <laughs> his ball ears. Sweat. Yes, he was awful. So any cab driver that does, you know. A modicum better than that guy is going to get a nice little tip from me. So this guy got us to our destination in one piece. So anyway, we get to the Hotel Affinia. Right. Uh, Very nice hotel. Yes. Excellent room. Yes. Where it's kind of, you walk in and you go downstairs and it's kind of sunken.
1: Had a recessed section where the bathroom and like the little wet bar was. Right. And then the bedroom was down a level. Right. It's very metropolitan
0: yes and the the wait staff they were very nice very helpful
1: yes they were very helpful
0: the only problem with this hotel
1: let's hear it
0: is that it has 20 some odd floors
1: 28 28, and then
0: the 29th floor is a rooftop right where there's a bar which Mm -hmm. is also very nice yeah that was great right yeah um sorry but the the, (laughs) the elevator they only have four they have four elevators Two of the elevators only go to the seventh floor. Right. And then you only have two more to go to the rest of the floors.
1: And the, do you, you saw how big the, the two that went to the seventh floor were larger than the two that went to the oh, 28th really? floor. Yeah.
0: I didn't notice that.
1: Yeah. When you opened it the first time it went, it was like probably the size of the elevator that we had plus another half. Okay. But again, folks, it's only seven floors. And if you consider that the lobby was on the first one. That means they've got two elevators covering six floors and then uh, two another two covering the other 21 floors. Right. So we had a bit of a wait sometimes, and we also had to squeeze with 16 of our closest friends also staying at the Affinia Hotel. Right. Um, but it, overall, I mean, that was was secondary to me. It was irritating, but I heard one guy say that he waited like 40 minutes for an elevator. For an elevator? Yeah. Wow. Well, I would have been taking down, the stairs. Right give it about five and take the stairs. Right. Yeah. So. yeah, I
0: mean, overall that would be my only complaint.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. Other than that, everything was great. It was clean. The it housekeeping sm- was it good. smelled good too. That's like one thing about sometimes the hotel rooms can smell a little musty. Right. But it smelled really, really fresh, like clean air when you were in there. Right. For an enclosed space it it was very refreshing.
0: Yes. Seemed very clean. The bedding was very nice. Mm-hmm. Um
1: They had a pillow bar.
0: Pillow bar, yes. Where you
1: could select the kind of pillow that you'd like to use.
0: Which I manipulated in various ways. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nice flat screen TV. Mm -hmm. Um, Wireless, we had a little bit of an issue with.
1: Yeah, we did have an issue Anytime you go
0: to a hotel, I think these days, wireless should be free. You shouldn't have to pay for it. We did have to pay for it.
1: Um, and I don't mind paying for it. It's not like I, I don't get that grumpy, especially if we if we're not having to park, because usually, especially if you're in a city, you're paying thirty bucks a day to park plus another ten for for um, internet. Right. So I don't mind that. But what bothered me about this place was it was ten dollars per computer, right. and you and I always both take ours. So
0: it's twenty bucks, twenty bucks
1: for the two for of us. Twenty four hours.
0: It's not even your entire stay.
1: Exactly. So, exactly. And it's always, like, the higher-end hotels that do that. Like, the Holiday Inn, free internet. Pretty much all their chains have free internet. If you stay at, like, the Westin, nineteen ninety nine a day. Right. You know? Yeah. They nickel and dime you. Yeah. Or just blatantly rape you.
0: But, yeah, wireless should be free at a hotel or at the airport. Right. I don't want to go into Boingo and pay <laughs> because I'm not in the airport long enough or that many times a month.
1: Well, you're not a business traveler either.
0: Right, but I think wireless should be free You're in right. whatever airport. I think
1: that I think all communication methods should be free, but that's just for another topic for Telephone another day as well. Yep. Okay. Well, anyway, well. Um, <laughs> what else did we do in Chicago besides stay in the hotel?
0: Um, well, then I guess the next thing we did uh, that same day is Liz and Sean um, came and met us for dinner. They did, and we had dinner where.
1: Um, at, uh, Second Coast Third. Cafe. Third, was Third it Third Coast. Coast? Yep. Okay. Third Co- Ca- Third Coast Cafe. It's in the, uh, I don't know what district it's in. It's in some district. It's off of, uh, on Dearborn Avenue, off of Division. And it was cute. It was a quaint little cafe, um, kind of set down a little yeah, ways off set the road. A little, yeah. yeah. So you could see people walking by and it reminded me of a movie a little bit. Right. Or movies in general. And they had pretty good. I had a good meal. Did you enjoy yours?
0: Yeah. I ordered the gazpacho and for some reason I had a brain fart and forgot that it comes cold. And I, the I was gazpacho
1: sick. by definition is cold. I was <laughs> And that's what was funny. I was really surprised but I was like, "All right, that's what he wants."
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you didn't. Know, and I was I should say that I was sick with you. during this trip. Yeah, she were suffering ill. Suffering from a cold.
1: And you were a trooper too. Wow. Well, I always I, worry about you when you're ill cuz you don't let on that you're ill. You just keep plowing through
0: well i wasn't going to let my illness you know hamper our trip and you didn't but this restaurant was small and cozy Mm -hmm. and had a warmth to it It it's very nice place for dinner and conversation
1: yes it was quiet too you didn't have that's that's a problem with a lot of like trendy restaurants i think is I don't know if someone has, like, sent out some kind of memo, memo that ambiance means you have to pipe in really loud, like, pulsating music. Right. But if I'm meeting friends, I really don't want to have to, like, shout to hear them. No. You know? I'd rather just...
0: And jet. they they had music playing, but it wasn't overbearing. Obnoxious. Right.
1: It was nice. And um, what else was I going to say about it? Oh, and it was it was chilly and windy in San Francisco, especially that night. So it was nice to come into kind of a warm warmly lit place and right. relax chicago. with good friends you said san francisco did i say san francisco yes. freudian slip. <laughs> chicago right this um, was probably the best trip i've ever had to chicago i have really? to say and i've been there probably 10 times
0: really that's mm-hmm. good
1: it was, a gr- it was a great trip
0: um so we left dinner mm-hmm. and we were going to meet a friend of your a friend of ours right at a jilly's
1: jilly's piano bar piano
0: bar yes um but there was some miscommunication or something, so we didn't... We went, but we couldn't see her, so we probably couldn't say...
1: What uh, kind of establishment Jilly's was. Right. It looked, uh, it looked pretty happening. There were a lot of people in there. There were. And from what we understand from our friend Sean Frank, um, the little area that we were hanging out in, which is Rush Street, Division, uh, et cetera, is known as Viagra Triangle, because apparently... Isn't that what he called it? Oh,
0: where the old guys.
1: Yeah, apparently, old men go there to hit on women half their age, which we thought was kind of funny.
0: That is funny, and
1: we did see a lot of like middle-aged men. I didn't see that many women my age with middle-aged men, but I did see, you know, right. middle-aged men.
0: Right. Um, so we we didn't see our friend there at Julie's. Mm-hmm. So uh, Liz and Frank, showing, right. suggested uh, Trader Vic's for cocktails. Right. So we went there. That was like right up the street from Jelly's.
1: Yeah. I don't remember what street it was on. It was the next one over from Rush. Right. But it was fun. They had little boat drinks. It felt very tropical in there. Also very warm and low lit. And, and we
0: had a very enthusiastic uh, Lord waitress.
1: Mighty, she was enthusiastic. Which but she was funny. She, she wasn't was. enthusiastic to the point where I wanted her to shut up.
0: And she took our picture. She was very nice.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, seriously, there's a special place in heaven for waitresses who wait tables in tourist cities because you know that they get drunk tourists wanting them to take their pictures all the time. Yeah. That's like, that's a yeoman's work. I agree. Yes. So uh, that was fun. We had delicious beverages. Right. And then we left. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, I think that's it for that, that, that night pretty that much. That was yeah. The next day, was the next day the tour, boat tour? No, that oh, no, was the following day. Oh, okay.
1: The next day, we went to breakfast. We went to
0: breakfast at, uh... Who?
1: Hugo Frogs?
0: Hugo Frogs and Gibsons. They're kind of...
1: One and the same, I guess. I right. didn't really understand how that worked. But, um... Also on Rush Street. We kind of stayed within walking distance, for the most part. Um... Chicago's a pretty good walking city. Especially, we were right off of Michigan Avenue, which is where all the... Chicago's Magnificent Mile. Um... Where there's lots of shopping and stuff. Um... But that was, it was yummy. Nice little ambiance yes. there.
0: Nice waitstaff again. Yep.
1: Yeah, um, we had really friendly waitstaff, didn't we? Yep. Every we Every restaurant we went to, the waitstaff was very knowledgeable and very kind. Uh, almost
0: everyone. We'll get to that.
1: Yeah, you're gonna have to refresh.
0: Um, oh yes, okay. Which is actually, we missed it. We missed the night because the night before, after we left, Liz and Frank Sean. Didn't we go walking? No. That was,
1: that was the second night, second night okay. after we went to, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. I don't want to give away. I'm, I'm sure everyone's listening in suspense. <laughs> right. What did Emily and William do next?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but after that, we went and saw a movie, a movie, which was
0: District 9.
1: That's right, Joe. We saw it. We saw Joe District Joe recommended 9. that we review District 9, so we're sorry we're a little behind on the curve, but um, behind on the curve, I don't know what that means. But we saw it.
0: We did see it. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about this experience until just now.
0: Right. Well, the first thing we have to say, I have to say, is that we saw it at a an AMC movie theater. Right. And I'm just going to say, AMC, you got to get your act together. That's right. Because, you know, you're showing quality films in subpar establishments. Right. There's no uh, stadium seating. The screens were... So, so.
1: The screen was like curved, wasn't it? Right. I felt like. I honestly felt a little pukey at the beginning. The
0: quality of the screen. I couldn't tell if it was the movie itself that kind of looked. It didn't. Like the, the clarity of the Grainy, it wasn't, yeah. right?
1: And that, yeah, you're right. I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be that way, but the previews were that way too. And surely not the previews were shot in grainy okay. with a pantyhose over the lens or whatever they do to make that effect.
0: Well, what gave me pause was that Public Enemies kind of had the same kind of. I felt but
1: we saw that in an AMC, right? Didn't we? That's
0: why I was wondering if it was the screen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, District Nine. Mm-hmm. Basically, I think it it starts. It's 1982 or something like right. that. Right. And an alien mothership uh, gets um, stuck over Johannesburg, South Africa. Right. And so all of these aliens uh, eventually end up in a shanty town in Johannesburg. This, like,
1: quarantined village that that was government-created for them, right? Right. Yeah. And
0: after um, a period of time, as they procreate and more and more of them, you know, there are more and more of them. Mm -hmm. There are problems with crime and uh, bringing down, I guess, the value of the area. Right. And so a lot of these South Africans, at this point, want them out. Right. And so the government decides to move them. Two hundred, I believe, kilometers away to kind of get them out of the area and appease the people. Right. And they hired this this one gentleman to head up the operation. I forget his name. Is was it Vikram or Vikram?
1: Vick? Vic, I feel like it had more syllables. Oh. It was a very South African name. It was like von von Schustenberg or something. Vikram. Okay. Vikram. Vickers von well, we'll see Vickers von Smiley. <laughs>
0: Anyway, he's just kidding. He's in charge of going from door to door and telling these aliens, you know, you're being eva- um, evicted, evicted, and we're moving you to this other little area, and it's very nice. You'll love it. You know, he's just pouring on the crap.
1: Basically, another what is that called? Another like when ghetto
0: they, is pretty much.
1: Well, what is it called when they um,
0: shanty town?
1: Well, when they they make a certain kind of people live in a certain
0: concentration camp yes,
1: that's what it looked like was a concentration camp okay. barbed wire, little right. tents, basically that they lived in
0: right that's yeah, he's basically going with a certain police force going door to door saying, you know we you need to be evacuated mm-hmm. and over time he's a little bit full of himself, right, a little bit cocky, and something happens to him right that eventually kind of pushes him closer to the aliens than he probably imagined he would ever be. Right. Changes his whole life. And so the movie kind of picks up on how he deals with this occurrence. Yeah. And as well uh, kind of shows his new interaction with the the aliens Mm -hmm. and how they both kind of need each other at this point. Right. What I will say, one thing I want to point out, is that there's a place in Cape Town, South Africa, that was called District 6. And this was during the 60s, I believe, during uh, apartheid. Apartheid. And the government basically said there were 60,000 black South Africans. The government basically said, we're moving you out. This is now only for white South Africans. We're going to bulldoze the place and move you to this shantytown. I didn't know it was
1: called District 6. I never realized that. I think
0: this movie was inspired by that.
1: Yeah, Um, absolutely.
0: So the thing that stood out to me most is how history kind of and this is fiction but sure. how history can repeat itself because what you notice is a lot of the people that want or most of the people that want these aliens out are black south africans. Right. And I think there comes a point where you can forget that you are oppressed and become the oppressor without even realizing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And so it also made me think of, you know, Warsaw and Poland and the Germans and the Nazis and how they treated the Jews because they did basically the same thing. Right. Um, so in that way, it was a very deep film. It just wasn't man versus alien. Yeah. It's a very thought-provoking film, and I appreciated that. Right. Um, and there's also a lot of action.
1: Yeah, um, and really good special effects. Yeah. And really friggin' creepy aliens.
0: Yes, they looked...
1: They looked like aliens.
0: Yes. It's hard to imagine befriending and I can—I imagine that's probably part of the reason, because they look so foreign to right. the people there that they just want them gone. That out of sight, added, out of mind. Right. Yeah. And they were very... Uh, they loved cat food.
1: For yeah, reason. they did. That was really bizarre.
0: Right. But uh, And it also showed how these certain merchants in this area were taking advantage of these aliens by overcharging them. And so this is all familiar stuff. Exactly. But, uh, uh, no, I'll just say that I... I really enjoyed the film. I
1: enjoyed it too. And I didn't you know I don't really like uh, pretty much any movie that contains something that hasn't really been proven for sure like ghosts, vampires, aliens. I um, can take relief. But that was a really good movie. Right. It was very intense. It was thought provoking. Um and it wasn't like cheesy, you know? Like there wasn't like uh, sort of this like the anti-hero that I don't know. I just thought it was excellent. Right. I liked it.
0: And it's, yeah, like Cowboys and Indians, I, you know, you always, in the past you'd always cheer for the Cowboys. Right. But when you start to, when you're able to empathize with the enemy yes. or what's perceived as the enemy, then I think that makes for a much richer film.
1: Well, and I think that the whoever the director was.
0: or Peter Jackson.
1: Yeah. He did a good job of sort of showing the perspective of, like, This is sort of a uh, misguided view of these visitors that uh, you you sort of realize the movie takes place as they're kind of it kind of pans back and forth between post event interviews with people that were involved in this and the actual events themselves. So you can kind of see it's a retrospective look back at like, okay, wait a minute. This was kind of misguided. So that's what I appreciated about it. It wasn't it didn't just tell a story as it happened. Right. It looked a little bit. I looked at it historically.
0: Right. Yep. So, so what do um, you
1: think? For our IMDB challenge on District 9, William, I am going
0: to give it an 8.5.
1: I give it an 8. And as you can tell, these uh, <laughs> these uh, ratings are completely arbitrary. I don't really know why I'm giving it an 8. It just feels right.
0: 8.6. Howdy who. It hasn't been doing a great job at the box office, but I don't think it costs that much to make. So.
1: Yeah. And there literally was no one recognizable in that movie. No actor. Or did, did Yeah, you, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Which I kind of liked because it didn't have like a, a reputation. Wickes Vandermeer. Wickes. Wickes. Vickes, yes. Van, Vandermeer. There you go. Okay.
0: All right. Um, so after we saw District 9 oh, – We need to mention something.
1: Oh, we do need to mention something for our Spanish listeners. We sat in front of a row of... Wait,
0: why is this for our Spanish listeners? (laughs) Because the
1: people that sat behind us were Spanish speaking.
0: Okay. Uh, And because
1: I mentioned our Spanish listeners at the beginning. Okay. Maybe if they could relay a message since I don't speak Spanish.
0: (laughs) But this is actually for anybody who likes to... Talk during movies. Right.
1: Fair enough. The only problem is that I couldn't shush in Spanish. That was the problem.
0: I think it's shh in Spanish.
1: Is it? Because I did, well, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> um, so we sat in front of, and I knew as soon as they came in behind us. And I almost asked you if we could move to the other side of the theater. I thought
0: about it, but there's in my head, I'm going maybe this is just during the preview. That's how
1: I was too. See, we should do this more often and actually act on it.
0: And just look at each other and decide because there and were two know. chairs like in the back. That would perfect. There were just two chairs. In the I know. Room. Yeah. I
1: saw him. Yeah. I looked forlornly at them, uh-huh. and I didn't make a move. Nonetheless, a fam... I don't know what the story was, but it was a group of, like, six women and one dude that came in... um <clears throat> Excuse me. Came in behind... And sat behind us, right behind us, and pretty much talked through the entire film. Yep. In In a normal speaking voice. No right. whispering. So, um... I did give them the death glare several times, and then I finally turned around and just stared at one lady that just blatantly sat there and talked while I stared at her. And then when she made eye contact with me, I put my finger to my lips. <laughs> and she stopped for about 15 minutes and then started. So I don't know if you noticed that period of silence, but that's what that was because of, is because I, I shushed her.
0: I tried to... to- block them out yeah and there were two dudes sitting in front of us and one dude was kind of checking his cell phone every now was and then it?
1: i'm glad i couldn't see that because they were talking too through the previews but right. they stopped during, they only had a couple little comments but i did wonder
0: that. is this the only spot in the theater where people are talking is this going on anywhere else in this theater how do we have this how we, kind of fortune exactly yeah. exactly
1: i don't know so next time we just need to trust our instincts and, and just move, move. Yeah. Yeah. But they were, like, and they weren't just talking. They were, you know, there was, like, the commentary. They were, like, interacting with the characters. They were shrieking. Yeah. You know, I get that it's, like, action-filled, but it doesn't require you to actually... You don't have to react right then, like, physically. Right. Just let everybody know that. It's kind of...
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, it's... It's bad when people talk behind you or in front of you, around you. Right. It's worse when they do it and it's in a different language.
1: Exactly. Yeah, why was it more annoying that it was in a different language? Right. I don't know why, but it was.
0: After the film, Mm -hmm. we what did we do?
1: We went for a little stroll around Michigan Avenue and then we went back to the hotel. Oh, we met Sean and Liz for dinner that night. Well, you needed a little breather because I knew that you'd had kind of a long day with your illness, Illness. but we chilled out for a little while. And then we met, um, Frank and Liz, um, at the, the restaurant that's part of the Afinio hotel called the Sea house, um, Sea hyphen house. Um, another excellent dining experience in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Also a fantastic way staff there.
0: Yes. She was very nice. Very informative.
1: Yes. Yes. Gave us a lot of detail,
0: which is important. It is, especially when, when you're new to, yeah. When you're
1: new to a restaurant, absolutely. Right. Um, and really great selection. Their menu was awesome. They had all these great kind of tapas, 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 um, kind of that same theme, but one and two bite dishes that you could order in in um, quant- certain quantities. What did we have? It was really good. We had good. Uh, fish tacos. Oh, those fish Yellow tacos tail, were amazing. Right? Yes, those were good. And we had um,
0: squid, octopus. Which was
1: okay. Right. And then we had uh, the tuna tartare. Right. That was pretty good, too.
0: And then we had two appetizers, right?
1: Yeah, we had a salad. Oh, that heirloom tomato salad, Mm -hmm. which I'll eat anything if goat cheese is on it. We had three
0: appetizers, then, because we had the uh, shrimp.
1: And the macaroni and cheese. Right. Oh, that was good macaroni and cheese. It was very
0: good. And we had several uh, cocktails. Yep. Well, a couple of cocktails. Yep. And All of us
1: tried. You had a good beer, didn't you? Yes. And the, the
0: uh, oh, what it's is the it? Because brew it's brewed in. The
1: in Chicago. I don't remember the name of it. I'll have duck. to look it up. Duck? Goose? Goose. Goose Island. Goose right? Island. That's yes. right. Yes. It was good. Mm-hmm. And they had really great, like, house made cocktails. Liz and I had a couple that were pretty tasty. And And
0: it was a nice uh, atmosphere, kind mm -hmm. of dark, candlelit, not too dark, and a little music playing. Oh, um,
1: uh, Like bamboo and green everywhere with some black and white art. It was very, very uh, intimate setting. Intimate. Intimate.
0: Intimate. And then the, uh, I have to say the bathrooms were nice because I went frequently (laughs) to blow my nose. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, Right. So... Um, we would recommend the Seahouse if you yeah. stay at the Affinio or if you just want to... Yeah, it's right off into. Michigan
1: Avenue. So if you're in the area, it's a great... And you don't have to be staying at the restaurant, obviously, to eat there. Right. Um, it's a little pricey. It is. Yes. But it was worth. it was worth it. It's good food. I mean, I'm willing to pay a little bit more if it's high-quality ingredients and everything tasted... It was very well-cooked, very well-done. Right.
0: If it's good food along with a good atmosphere... Right. Because you can have great food and then be in a crappy atmosphere that's <laughs> not worth the money.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: but, so after uh, dinner, mm-hmm. you and I, you walked me down to...
1: Navy Pier. Navy Pier. We walked along the waterfront for a little bit. Right. Came back up um, and stopped for a drink.
0: We stopped for a cocktail and the name of the place was... D4. D4 Bar.
1: Yeah, but it it purported to be an Irish pub... But there was nothing Irish or public about it other than the actual bar itself, which had some, you know, Irish carvings in it. But we got there. First of all, I have to say, the only reason we stopped in there was because I had a rather urgent need to use the restroom after all the drinks I'd had previously. So it was kind of an emergency stop. But when we got in there, we were thinking we'd grab dessert and get some drinks. And I don't know what your original encounter was with the waiter, (laughs) but when I came out, there was some confusion on his part as to what was going on I think.
0: I I don't think he realized we were there initially and then he was kind of flustered and he got us menus. Okay. And I think at that point that's when you heard the bartender say
1: She said, "Why did you give them menus?" <laughs> and he I could hear him like I think he knew I heard her. But apparently we had gotten there right before they were closing. Right. Which it was 11 o'clock. I mean, we were there a little before 11 o'clock. This is
0: Chicago. This isn't Nashville. If it was Nashville, I would expect you to close at 830.
1: Right, but not at 11 o'clock. And I think it was a Sunday, so maybe they close early on Sundays, but really, seriously. So um, he came back, took our menus, first of all, then came back and asked us if we could move. Tell us his shift was ending apparently five minutes before they were closing. Right. And asked if we could move.
0: Well, the other guy came. Yes. He said he was taking over.
1: Our new waiter.
0: Right. And asked if we could move over by the fireplace.
1: Well, because he needed to close up. That's what he said. Right. Which, don't rush me out of the the restaurant. Like, if you're closing, put a sign up that says you're closed. Right. Either you are closed or you are not closed. Like, mm-hmm. those are the two things that happen at a restaurant.
0: Yeah, treat me as if I, it's 7 p.m.
1: Well, not only that, but you're a fairly generous tipper. Like, if we get good service, you usually tip pretty well, right? I mean, you, even if we get bad service, I think you tip pretty well.
0: I Well, I try to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, look out for the William if he comes into your restaurant you'll be adequately compensated for your hard work.
0: Yes. I'll take care of you if That's you take care of right. me.
1: That's right. Yes. That's right. So then he kind of, and he was kind of like grumpy a little bit, came and brought us our drinks and then came back like 20 times to ask if we needed anything else. And probably after we'd had our drink five minutes, came and told us it was last call. So I decided it would be my last call to go to that restaurant.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And maybe it's better if you go, you know, earlier in the evening, maybe they're a lot more polite, but we won't be going back. No. If we go to Chica- when we go to Chicago again.
1: That's right. Right. That's right. So that that concluded our evening. But it was it was still nice and it was so I, I just the weather was great. It was like blustery and cool. Yes. So nice. It's very nice. Um, so we, the next day, what did we do the next morning?
0: The next morning we walked down to wherever the Bean is because you wanted to, well, to first we, we had bean. breakfast at Hoolahan's,
1: which was the uh, restaurant in the, uh, shoot, not the Hyatt. It's a hotel right on the, the intersection of um, Wacker and uh, Michigan Avenue. Very good. Um, But it, it was subpar. <laughs> Yet another subpar.
0: Right. And we have to admit, we came in at the end of, of breakfast. The breakfast because it's a buffet.
1: But again, I say, regardless of what shift change is happening, and, and I guess working in a service industry, like I always am cognizant of the fact that my problems are not my client's problems. Like whatever I'm going through within the company, the client shouldn't even know about that. You know? I agree. So, when you walk in a restaurant, it's really not my problem that the buffet's ending. it's your problem, so fix yeah. it and don't be don't be snarky, McFinnigan either right we, they were like they were a little snarky, right? yeah, the waiter came in and just merely like gestured towards our table right and didn't say anything, apparently, we were supposed to know that's where we were supposed to sit yeah. and then he said, the buffet's ending soon, so you'll need Ten to go get your food or now something like that. yeah yeah. Cranky.
0: yeah, and when there was um they had bacon. Pancakes, French toast, Everything, yeah. biscuits and gravy. Eggs. But the biscuits and gravy were cold. Yeah. The and bacon the bacon was, was greasy. like
1: And like real rubbery. Right.
0: But Gibson's bacon was much better. So if you, yeah.
1: And but you are the bacon connoisseur. so that's, I am. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> but the fruit was good. So that what does that say about you? Because you don't make the fruit. Right. It was God like frozen fruit. fruit. Right. Exactly. Or, you know, earth, whatever you're feeling. Yeah. But it, yeah, so... That's a downgrade on the Hooligans. on hula hands.
1: Yes, which if I if we had gotten up earlier, I would have we could have found someplace cooler. But we kind of were, we just kind of decided to walk and see what we could find. Oh, right. we no, we had planned to go to West Egg. Remember, yeah, and the line at West was Egg was out the Yazoo, so we decided to
0: go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. I can't eat anywhere. I don't care how good the place may be, but if I feel like I'm in a crunch, yeah, and I also feel like they're going to try to get me out of Rush there, so you in they, and out, right. I'm not going to feel comfortable. Fair so. enough. Hula hands was pretty empty, I'll say that.
1: Yeah, it was pretty empty. And um, anyway, it was they had good coffee. Yeah, it, it did what it needed to <laughs> do to give me fuel. <laughs> right. But you're right. After that, we proceeded down Michigan Avenue and went to the the Millennium Park where all the sculptures are the the Bean and uh, we saw a couple other things there, didn't we? I guess we just kind of walked around the gardens. So right. We really didn't. Didn't, which, for those who might not know, the bean is this huge steel sculpture that's reflective, and it's shaped like a like a bean. And when you walk around it from different angles, you can see yourself distorted, and it's it's very shiny and very bright. It's right. Kind of a cool little. This is thing. why we
0: need a website because we could go go to our website and you'll see a picture of us in the bean. In the bean. So we're working on that. We are. Yes, in mm-hmm. our minds. Okay. Yes. Uh, um, actually, we should get Frank Shaw to design a. Website. We
1: should get Frank Sean.
0: Uh, So, after kind of walking around Millennium Park, is that...
1: Yeah. Well, Millennium and Grant Park are all kind of one and the same there. So, we walked up. We saw where Obama would have made his speech. Right. Walked all up in there, all up in that business. Right. And we
0: walked back towards uh, the downtown
1: Mm -hmm. area.
0: And we stopped at a little uh, sporting shop.
1: That's right. That's right. And we
0: bought, because we were going to the, a Cubs game that evening, mm-hmm. so we figured we should dress appropriately. Yes. So we bought a couple of hats, and sweatshirts.
1: Some, yeah, some Wrigley gear. Right. Um, yeah, and then uh, we also did the boat tour that afternoon. So mm-hmm. we stopped at the Chicago River. Um, our friend, Sean Frank, Frank Sean, recommended that we take the architectural tour, um, which I had never been on any of those boat tours. The whole time I m- many times I've been to Chicago, yeah. and that was really fun.
0: It was great. It yeah. was excellent. Especially, yeah. I mean, the, the architecture in Chicago is
1: on point, beautiful. I mean, yeah. these are
0: actually these aren't just people putting up buildings; these are artists, right? And they're creating buildings. And and I mentioned to you a couple of nights ago that I was watching old episodes of the Bob Newhart show that right, came on in the seventies, right. and some of these buildings existed back then. And so to see them, you know, thirty years later, like the the what's the building? I don't know the name of it, but it looked like petals all the way. It was a oh, it a was condo.
1: a condo. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it.
0: So these, and I, I didn't find that one particularly attractive. No, but they did stand out to me. And right. the one thing that Sears Tower, I wasn't really that impressed by.
1: No, neither. It's not an impressive building. No, it's very. I mean, it's and impressive tall, in that it's very very tall, but right. It's a like it's kind of ugly.
0: Yeah, kind of plain, generic. Yeah. There were
1: other very cool buildings that you could tell. I just I liked the first of all I liked the the reason I liked the the sort of the rationale behind why the buildings were built the way they were. And also you learned a lot about why some of them had to be built that way mm-hmm. and that you could only have a certain number of stories that were at the sort of sidewalk level and then if you, the further up you built you had to kind of recess the floors. Right. And so it was it was interesting to learn about that. And sort of also what the great Chicago Fire had done to...
0: just wipe out. I think exactly. she said four miles.
1: Yeah, for a four by one mile stretch of downtown, pretty much the entire downtown.
0: Right. And then um, I'm always interested in newspaper buildings, so that they yeah. saw the Sun Times and the Tribune buildings. Yep, and, and the NBC they, building as well. Right, but how the uh, I think it was the Tribune how they Paid write homage. the news on one side. Oh yes, yeah. Then they transfer it on and they put it on these giant plates or whatever. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, when we're on that boat, you know, with Barack Obama and the, this administration, they had that stimulus package. And part of it was uh, improving infrastructure right. around the country. And one thing I noticed when we're on this boat and we're going under some of these bridges, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of bridges in Chicago, some of them are cracking. They're very rusted. Yeah. So I like to think that some of that money would go into improving... That was this the only part of the scary. tour I
1: didn't like because right. I felt there. And not only that, but they had like, they were graded. So you could, I mean, you could see through. It wasn't like they were solid concrete. Right. So I just kept waiting for like, you know, chunks of something to fall through and smack in know, the Smack face. me in the head. Yeah. yeah. So. That was the only part I didn't, it was a little nerve wracking. And we went under like 16 bridges or something, there were right? Tons of bridges. Yeah. Right. But, but a
0: lot. excellent tour. If you go to Chicago.
1: Mm-hmm. Very um, informative.
0: And I don't know the lady's name, but she was very good.
1: Yes. Very Midwestern as well. Yes. She was a volunteer with the uh, Architectural Institute of Chicago, I think was what it was called. Mm. But she, uh, but it's all volunteer-based. So all these people come in and give their time to give these tours. Right. And which, that's a
0: 90-minute tour. So
1: yeah. It's a lot of talking. Right.
0: All right. So we usually like these shows just to go about an hour long. Right. So we're going to stop here and leave you in suspense. Uh, We still have the the Cubs game in Wrigley Field to talk about and Mm -hmm. a, a number of other things. So this will be part one of episode 10. That's right. And tune in soon for part two. That's right. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.